this is Top Quality Faith Ministries podcast, a multicultural global church mandated by God the Father to love and to serve as an instrument of the body of Christ. This is the house where God builds top quality faith in his people. Wherever you are listening from, we pray that you are blessed by today's message. Wow. I praise God for the worship. I, I wanted just to keep going, but uh, and then I recognize the voice you have as you were using a little bit of it. And I would encourage you to keep opening your mouth and guiding us because it really helps us to get to that place. So, Father God, even right now, I surrender this message over to you, asking for your divine will and purpose to go forward in this house, and that the people here will truly, truly allow their lights to shine. that you may be able to bring forth all that you call forth in them. In Jesus' mighty name. I start by giving you guys a crazy testimony because I think I've done everything, but this was the first time I ever did something like this. On Thursday, I was on a call with Billy And as I was on the call with Billy, just so happened the Lord caught my attention by this BMW that went by. And on the BMW, it had every sticker you can think of that this person put on their back of their bumper and on their car about prayer. And I just so happened to stare at the person. And I can tell when I got close up to the person that they had on worship music. And I said, oh, wow, Lord, they have worship music on. And not only that, I then said, oh, You got my attention for some reason, because it's not just for some reason or another, I'm gonna stare at a car to the extent that I was staring. I begin to count the bumper stickers and look at that and pay attention. And then all of a sudden I knew that I had a word from her. I'm on the phone with Billy, and I know I have a word for this woman as she's driving by. And so I literally said, okay, Lord, if this is you and you want me to say whatever I need to say, then you got to move these other cars out of the way. And so there was a car in front of me, and it didn't know what to do. It was an SUV. It got out of the lane, got back in my lane, got out of the lane, got back in my lane two or three times. And I said, okay, guess it's not. Then as I continued to look, it finally decided... It figured out what it wanted to do, and it got in the right lane, turned, and got on the freeway. So then it was just another lane. Then all of a sudden, another car slows down. 
and that particular car slows down, but all the time I'm talking to Billy, but I'm paying attention to everything that's going on. So the second car slows down, and then it turns off. And then in return, we're face to face. She's on the other side, I'm on my side. And then I scream out the window and tell her what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to me, and she began to say, oh my God, I'm headed to church and everything you say is spot on. She said, everything you're telling me is spot on. Billy is in the background laughing, saying, oh, Pastor, I wish I could do that. I'm like, you can. And he's just like thrilled, but that's exciting that you could do, just pull up to people and do that. And I said, but you can. And so I want to talk about Nicodemus. And I want to talk about Nicodemus, not from the point whereby, gosh, we all know who he was. But I want to talk about how Nicodemus decided in his life to be hidden. And I think sometimes we operate from that standpoint where many of us operate, such as Nicodemus. We have so much wisdom and knowledge of God, but we don't bring it forth. We hide out in the shadows. Not only is it that we hide out, we're only going to engage if others are engaging. And we're only going to stand up and correct when there's small crowds. Because we don't really want the attention or the light to be on us. But we even do that in our worship. You know, we do that personal worship to whereby we're not really in that place where we're saying, I'm for you, Jesus. And, and, and so I'm going to leave it to those up front to lead the worship when I have something on the inside of me crying out. And the funny part about it, if you say the same thing over and over and over, it will get you into a place to whereby you will end up crying because the mind will finally hear it and it will make that connection in the spirit. And as you make that connection in the spirit, you're going to be moved in every aspect of your vessel. So there's a purpose for sometimes me saying the same thing. Come on, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Because I'm looking for you to hear you as you're worshiping. I'm looking for you to acknowledge the words that you're saying. Because if your spirit man gets a hold of it, it's going to change you. It's going to cause you to say, oh my God. And it's the same thing that we repeat over and over because then the spirit acknowledge, oh my God, that's true. Oh my God, that's real. And then instantly you flow in the spirit and you are transformed by your words. But we don't want to talk about that, right? Because all of us are closet Christians, right? We expect somebody to lead us in worship. And if the same people are not in the same place, we can't get in. 
right? I can't get in. I can't get in because Douglas is not somewhere holding his hands up. I can't get in because Nita's not in her place dancing. I can't get in because Takiya's not using her flags. I can't get in because Shali just won't hold her mic to her, her mouth. I can't get in because Paul's not deciding whether he wants to play the drums or he wants to sing. Better yet, my mother-in-law gave the greatest example. I can't get in because this is too noisy in here. And you know what I told my mother-in-law? Worship anyway. And so it's so important that you don't allow anybody to stop you in your worship. So going back to Nicodemus, and to get to Nicodemus, I think I need to bring you up first, right? Or can I talk about Nicodemus first? Which one? You first? Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> I think you need to lay the framework. When we're looking at Nicodemus, and a lot of times when you look at him, you see someone who's just right there and can't fully get there. And you see him, sometimes you don't see him, see him as yourself because he puts it in plain view where he, he's latching on to other people to get him to meet Jesus and latching on to other people to confirm his their word for him. And when you're looking at, okay. <laughs> um, when you're looking at Nicodemus and you look at it from a spiritual perspective, not just as a man who's too scared to take the step and not just to put a little bit out there, but actually take the step to put himself on the plate. What you're looking at is a man who isn't able, who has the eyes to spiritually see, but is, isn't able to get over his flesh. And he isn't able to simply take the first step because in his mind, he's tripping over himself. And he's walking over and calculating in his head how he's supposed to do it. He's coming up with a bunch of reasons that are logical about the ways things are supposed to be done, that he has a life at home, that he can't leave, and he can't leave his wife where it is, and he's getting caught up over the things in his physical sense that he can't step in and get over his flesh to make the first step. And that's many of us. We find ourselves in that place that we don't take the first steps in some of the things that we know God is calling us to do.
And the reason why I stopped, because the Holy Spirit just said to me, he said, talk about how often you go into a room and you have an expectation that everybody in that room is going to do something. And then when you find out everybody in the room is not going to do something, there's a push for you to do it. And what you end up doing is deciding whether or not you're going to take the leader or are you going to hide in the back with everybody else. And in most situations, we will find ourselves in that position where we're gonna hide in the back. Even though we can feel the unction and the pull to come forward, we will come up with many excuses why we don't need to come up forward. And one of them is, that's not my job. Well, whose job is it? That's not what I'm called to do. Then what are you called to do? I'm not hearing God. And I am not going to step on other people's toes. But yet you are required to do it. The Lord said, say to them again, you are required to stand in places that others will not stand up in. You are required to go forward when others are not moving. You are required to be a voice where there's no voice. He says, say that again. The reason why I'm repeating it, because he wants you to get it down on the inside of you. So the next time a situation comes up, you're not going to look around. You're going to know that it's you that need to do it. I got it. He reminds me of me being a newcomer. Just got to know God. And I'm in a room with a bunch of strong individuals that knows God through and through. And I'm in that happy-go-lucky mode. I'm just so happy to be among all these people. These people are just so great. All of them know God. And I'm jumping up and down, listening and watching their voices go forward. And the spirit of the Lord enters the room. That's what happens. And when the spirit of the Lord enters the room, it landed on the heads of men. And as it landed on the heads of men, people began to stand up and speak what the spirit of the Lord was saying to them. I was there so fascinated. Oh my God, look at that one standing up. Oh my God, look at that one over there standing up. Oh my God, wow, look at what God said to that one. It dropped on me. And it rested there for a while. And the room got extremely quiet. 
it was my turn to speak. But I was so caught up in what's happening that I didn't realize that he was unctioning me to say something. I remember when the meeting was over, they pulled me to the side because everybody in the room knew it was me. But I didn't know it was me. And they asked, why didn't you say your piece? I was having a butterfly moment. And that butterfly moment was so caught up in everybody else being so great, because you know how we go to places and we look at, oh my God, the word in that person is so awesome. It is so great. I was in a place of exalting gifts. And I was so busy looking at the gifts on the inside of them that I didn't realize that God wanted to use the gift in me. I remember leaving that meeting and getting the correction and I stood there and I said, well, the next time it falls on me, I'm going to say something. But I lived in my head the whole conference and I never said anything. I remember the second time I got the unction where one of the people that I came to the conference, she began to kick me. Like, this time you're going to say something, right? She kicked me many times. I got the jitters. I got the leg shakes. And she kicked me again. I got the jitters. I got the leg shake. I then began to panic on the inside, and I got my heart start beating 90 miles an hour. And I said to myself, I can't do it. And the reason why I couldn't do it, I didn't believe that the Christ in me was good enough. I didn't believe that the Christ in me was good enough. There's a lady at the door just staring. Thank you. <laughs> and what I'm literally saying, I didn't believe that I had something to say in the midst of all the people. And the reason why I didn't believe I have something to say because I never thought that Christ was good enough on the inside of me. Nicodemus. And I really want you guys to see Nicodemus from the eyes of Christ. He's been serving what he believed was Christ for so many years. And him serving what he believed was Christ for so many years, he then began to recognize that there was something different than the words that the words he had, than the words that Jesus was speaking. His words 
was moving and saving lives. And his words wasn't. It was one full of correction and the other one was full of redemption. And so as he began to look at the word, he began to recognize the need for change. Bible doesn't necessarily say that Nicodemus basically truly fully accepted Christ and followed after Jesus. It doesn't give us that understanding, but it does give us a glimpse into his life and truly gives us some insight to whereby we know that Nicodemus was walking according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. And his way of basically operating was fleshly. And sometimes our way of operating is fleshly. We know when to say the right thing. We know when to say what we think is right, and that's all. But we don't allow the wind to carry us into the places whereby we have the opportunity to speak on the behalf of our Lord. We think that sometimes that that's the pastor job, don't we? And never realize that it's our job. And it's our job because he assigned it to each and every one of us. He said, go throughout the world and preach forth the gospel. And he said to preach it unto every living creature. And sometimes we don't know who our audience are, but it said every living. I find myself speaking to everything that God created because it needs to perform in an order of its creation. And so it's so important that we understand that we're supposed to perform in the order in which we were created. As I was looking at Nicodemus, I'm going to dial you back in. I literally see many of us are still trying to shake things that God's already removed from you. And when you try to shake things that God's already removed from you, what does that look like? When you look um, as Jesus began to heal people and with the woman with the unclean spirit, and when you look at that as he healed her, he said, according to your faith, you're healed. And he said that multiple times with different individuals that he came across. And when you're looking at according to your faith, that's the salvation that you wear on your head. And so to the extent that you're believing that God is savior and God redeems, to the extent that you believe that you're still stuck in a place or if you're free from a place, that's where your faith resides and that's where your redemption and your healing resides. And so to break that down, um, I had a 
quote unquote neck in injury that wasn't there by x-rays. People said there's nothing wrong with me. They said it might be, but I had a neck injury for three years. And then in praying with God, he said to stand up straight and that I was healed. And so for a few days, I was like completely fine. I was standing straight, didn't have a problem, didn't even think about my neck. But then a few days later, I started thinking about my neck. And it started to hurt a little. And I was like, I thought this was fine. But then I was like, okay, maybe something isn't fine. Maybe it's still there. And in that place, I then realized that I was letting something that didn't have a hold on me anymore affect me because I began to overthink what he had done. And when I say according to your faith, right now I'm walking, I believe that you healed me in every single area. So I'm not gonna still act like I still have it attached to me. If he heals me of addiction, then I don't have addiction. There's nothing that I'm clinging onto. If he heals me from a physical pain, then why am I still rolling something out and why am I still holding and taking pills for something if he said he healed me? But a lot of us are stuck in a place where we're still relying on that pain because we become so accustomed to it that we're second guessing and we're overthinking our faith and that he redeemed it and that you have a new flesh and that the old is dead and it brought you to a place where you're trying to still live in that old flesh. You're trying to still do ways of the old flesh where they're not gonna suffice when he said you're completely new. And probably, if I could take it a little bit further, in accordance to the measure of your faith. What does your faith measure out to look like? Do you truly believe? And this is where in scripture you hear, help my unbelief. Because sometimes the measure of our faith is slim to none. Sometimes we just can't get to that place of believing. Sometimes we just don't have the heart to really begin to activate what we've heard him say. And so the measure of our faith does not look as if we can put into practice the things that God is calling for. And so when you go back and you look at Nicodemus, he knew that he was the savior. He knew without a shadow of the doubt that Jesus was the savior. He knew that no one could work the miracles that was basically coming forth by Jesus unless he was with God. And he knew that he did not have that flowing through him. So he was able to clearly see the difference between himself and what Jesus was operating in. And many of you can see the difference of yourself and what your leader operate in. 
And even though I have said by the Spirit over and over again to you that you have the same opportunities that I have, but because of the measure of your faith, you don't. And so what Nicodemus struggled with, because I'm sure he got the same invitation that everybody else got. Because anytime you're in the presence of Jesus, he's going to call you. And he's going to tell you to leave everything and follow him. So you can't think that Nicodemus demons didn't get that calling. He got the same identical words, but he chose to stay secret. Serving Jesus in secret. And many of us have aspects of our lives where we serve our Lord in secret. And the reason why we're in secret is because of the measure of our faith. Do I truly believe him? Because if I believed him, then I'm going to shout from the rooftop with my prayers. I'm going to scream with everything that's on the inside of me in praise. I will not be lukewarm in any aspect of my life. Because my faith says, he's Lord. Everything I do is he's Lord. And because I know he's Lord, nothing's going to stop me from doing the works of the Lord. Because I know that he's moving through me. And I'm thrilled when he moves through me. But when you go back to the measure of your faith, you listen to what Sayah said. Some of us have been healed, but we don't believe we're healed. Some of us have been renewed over and over and over, but we don't believe. So we keep asking for the same thing. We keep asking God to do the same thing in us because we don't have the faith to believe that it's already done. Some of us are still asking for salvation and not realizing that you have salvation. Some of you are still in that position to you're afraid to even lose your salvation because you never really fully accept it. Because when you're fully mature, you're not looking for salvation because you know the Savior has come. And he's residing on the inside of you. And you're not playing games with your mind. And when I say games with your mind, am I saved? Am I not? Am I saved? Am I not? You either saved or you're not. You either believe or you don't believe. You either trust him or you don't. And 
that's why Nicodemus was in secret. Did his faith stand out like the others? Because he called many. He's even called you. Does your faith stand out like the other? Holy Spirit told me to say just this. When I first came a believer, I was like, oh my God, Lord, I would love to meet John. And then when I heard about Peter and I learned a little bit more about Peter, I said, no, Lord, I don't want to meet John. Let me meet Peter. Then I said, oh, no, 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 I want, to, I want to know David. And I began to talk about all these people I desire to know because something about their lives spoke to me. And he said, just as something spoke to you, he said, your life is going to speak to somebody else. And so I want you to show them the best of Christ in you. Because our lives are supposed to speak of Christ. And when our lives are not speaking of Christ, who are we speaking of? Are we speaking of somebody else? Because you will want to meet others when your life is not speaking. You'll want to follow after others when your life is not walking. And you will cling to these individuals because these are the individuals that is speaking and your life is not. Holy Spirit says, hear me. And as you're hearing the word, what should your life be speaking? It's so funny. Oh my God, do I say that? He said, you must speak freely. I have two daughters and I have a son. And my son can't stand the fact that I speak of my children and my messages. My oldest daughter probably sometimes have that same thing, but I don't care. And the reason why I don't care is because they are the greatest examples of me. And it literally allows me to see the fruits of the spirit that resides in me through my interaction with my children. I have three different types of children. I have two overthinkers and one butterfly. I love my butterfly. Don't get me wrong, I love my two overthinkers too. But any time that I have stupid stuff going on on the inside of me, my butterfly will come and land on me and she will tell me what's wrong with me. Now, my two overthinkers, they are, how would I say? How are you, Cinnamon? <laughs> they are my parents. Okay? She's my mother. 
Oh, Mom, you don't ever get it. Oh, Mom, give me it. Let me take care of this. She's always telling me what I don't get. She's always telling me how I don't get it. She's always telling me to fix this or fix that and fix this in my life. I am slow. I am ancient when it comes to cinnamon. Right, cinnamon? I am not technology savvy if I'm in the presence of cinnamon. I do not even order food when I come in the presence of cinnamon. Now, if I'm with Saya, I will order with her and we are fine. But if I order with cinnamon, I am going to be disciplined in ordering. So I just don't order. I just go dumb. They say, what do you want? Cinnamon, what do I want? What are you planning? What do I need to eat? I do not make choices in the presence of cinnamon. And I don't know why. I'm going somewhere. Because the pressure of performing well is always in front of me. And so I choose not to perform because she's gonna snatch something out of my hand. She's gonna move something away from me. And so it's easy for me not to perform. But recently she says to me, I'm tired of performing for you. So I'm not snatching, I'm not moving. You need to stand up. So we go through drive-through at a Starbucks I'm in the driver's seat, but I'm expecting her over the driver's seat to tell the people what, they, what we want. She's given me her order, and I don't know because I don't listen when I'm in the presence of cinnamon. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm so caught up in cinnamon's presence that she's gonna take care of me that I don't listen. Many of you guys do that when you're at the altar or when you're interacting with your Lord. You get so caught up and you get so excited because he's taking care of you that you stop listening. You don't even pay attention. You don't even hear what he's saying. You don't even listen to the words. You may catch the telling of the word and he says, I'm pleased. You don't know everything that got to the I please. You only see the part that was necessary. Going back to cinnamon, and the thing that I love about cinnamon, she holds me accountable. I can get away with anything but say, know why? Because she'll say, we look just alike. I'm like, okay, yeah, we do. But with cinnamon, she's gonna hold me accountable. And she's gonna make absolutely sure that I stand up and I actually walk in the places that I'm supposed to walk. She's not gonna give me a free ride. And if I'm missing something in technology, she's gonna make sure that I get it. And she will stand there, one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand, which puts that added pressure on me and it literally says, if you don't do this, she's going to snatch it. You better perform. What I'm literally saying 
God is in a place that he's have risen every single one of you. And he's trying to snatch you up into the place where you perform. He does not want you to be in that particular place where you're literally being that secret Christian. That means nobody knows you're a Christian. Nobody knows that you serve God. Nobody knows he's real through you. And so if nobody that is fleshly knows, think about how the enemy knows. He knows that you ain't going to stand up for God. You don't think he knew that Nicodemus wasn't going to stand up? Don't you think he knew that Nicodemus wasn't going to represent Christ the way he was supposed to? Where Nicodemus had the power to speak in many places, he chose not to. It looks like he defended him. But the only thing you could see that Nicodemus did well was to ask for the burial and to ask for the body. Other than that, you see very little interaction of what Nicodemus did. Oh, we got it. Nicodemus was put in place to ask for the body. Is that what you want to be made for others to remember you by? Oh, you ask for the body of somebody to bury them. But you had the most greatest, most private encounter with God, and it didn't change you. And why it didn't change you? You never dealt with your faith. You never chose to believe. You are so funny, Lord. It is 1149. And it shows the 63 degrees in Los Angeles. And today's date is October the 1st. I don't believe that. Some people would even argue that. Some people will probably think that, mm, let me check my phone to make sure what she said is correct. We tend to argue and go against truth. Because we have a way that we believe truth is supposed to look like. If God says he healed me, 
And some of the people he healed, it was according to the measure of their faith. And as they continued to walk along the road, they came into the full position of being healed, right? And then there's others, their faith was so great that it was instant. And how do you have that instant faith? That instant faith is when you activate everything on the inside of you. We're after that instant faith. And to obtain the instant faith, you have to believe that God is who he says he is. And he cannot lie. And we have to deal with what stops us from believing who he is. Why do I question that? Why do I look at that differently? Why do I see things from a different place? Why do I even choose to hide? Why do, is it that I, I struggle with standing forth for my Lord? And I expect him to stand for me. Why don't I do the same thing that he does for me? He said, this is something that each of you must look at. Can somebody get Nicodemus for me? It's in six. It's in Luke. Hello. Hi. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. No one can do the signs unless God is with them. So Nicodemus really recognized that he was with God. And no one can do the signs in which Jesus was doing unless he was with God. And so God is literally saying to you 
that he wants to begin to flow to you and allow the signs and wonders that he desires to come out. But in order for him to do that, he needs you to begin to stand upon truth. He needs you to stand upon truth. And if you really understand what hinders truth is every single time that the word is sown, the enemy has what? An opportunity to come in and destroy what's being sown. And the main reason why he has the opportunity to come in to destroy what's coming forth is because he knows you're not fully engaged and paying attention to what God is saying to you. If I was to say to you today that each one of you won a million dollars and I would line each one of you up after church and give you your portion of the million dollars, you would hear the million dollars. You wouldn't hear line up, and you would not hear that I said a portion of your million dollars. You would come at the end of the church, looking at the end of the sermon, saying, where's my million dollars? Because you will only hear what you want to hear. And so it's so important that you take in the fullness of the word. And you have to apply the fullness of the word. And if you're not, the enemy is standing outside that door waiting on you to walk out. And the first thing he's going to do is rob you. And you're going to allow it. And the reason why you're going to allow it is because you don't think God can flow through you. You don't think sometimes that God will heal you instantly. You don't think that God can provide. And the Holy Spirit says to me to ask you, why have you been so long with me and yet you do not know me? Let's go back to Nicodemus again. Jesus answered him, truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I've been baptized I don't know how many times. I can't take on another baptism, Lord. Do you not see that and I see that? I look at that and I say, oh my God, this is about baptism again, Lord. I can't do another baptism because if I keep coming out of that water and my condition never changes, then what's the purpose? And if I was to put it in 
Bradley turned. They said, you must be born again. That means I'd have to stop looking at the fleshly way of seeing things and start looking at things in accordance to the spirit. I got to stop running to the flesh first and I need to learn to run to the spirit and begin to have true spiritual encounters with the Lord. And as I have these encounters, I have to believe the things that I'm hearing that are supernatural. And I have to unlearn the things that are not real. Holy Spirit says to me, how long did it take you to realize Jesus, that Jesus was real? Took you a long time, and some of us still there. But how long did it take you to unlearn that Santa Claus wasn't real? It took me a long time. Even when they told me he wasn't, I still thought he was. I just assumed he missed my house because I was bad. And then as time kept going by, I kept saying, maybe he got caught up. Maybe somebody robbed him. But I did not have the full understanding, hear what I'm saying, that he wasn't real until I investigated. And when I investigated, I found out it wasn't real. And so what it's going to take for you to get to the place where you believe in the things that God is calling forth is to investigate why. You don't believe that he can do the things that he says. Jesus hears the uh, paralyzed man. I believe that. I even see it as I read it. When he restores the sight to the blind, I even see it as he's doing it, and I'm helping him to do it. When he's washing the garments of the people, restoring the people, I see me standing alongside of him, washing with him. When he's feeding the 5,000 as I'm reading the word, I'm feeding alongside of him. I am in so much of faith in believing him that I believe that it is possible with the things in which I do. I am not second guessing it because I know it to be true. So when he says something to me, I believe it. Going back to Nicodemus. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. I'm sitting here and I'm saying, 
God, I've read this scripture, I don't know how many times to this church. And I don't know why we're here still, Lord. He said, do not you see that it's time to do away with your flesh? He said, do not you see that it's time to cling to what is spiritual? He said, do not you see that change is needed here? He says, I want to bring redemption to all that I send you to. He said, but I cannot send you for unless you believe that I'm sending you. And he says, and when I send you, I want you to go by my spirit. And he says, and the only way I can get each of you to go is to recognize that I've given you power. And to move in the space in which I send you. You have desired not to walk in secret with me, but you desire to do my works openly and you've been desiring for some time. And he says, today, I want to increase your faith. Amen. Today, I want to remove the roadblocks that hinders you in the places that it has hindered you and allow your faith to be secure in the things in which I'm calling forth in you. And in that place, Paul, are you ready? Paul, are you ready? Paul, are you ready? Are you ready? The mic is over there if you're ready. Yeah, are you ready? Just trust him. Just trust him. Just trust him. Even if it's not, come up with one. Just trust him. I'm not asking for silver and gold. Just give me Jesus. Remember? That's our pastor. Every time, every Sunday, every day, every week. Um, 
Good morning, family. Good morning, church. Um, uh, the pastor had asked me about a um, about a song, and, and there's a lot of songs that resonate in my heart. Um, and I just, the one she specifically was referring to, um, I'm not there, and that's where the no came in at. Um, so I'll do this. But God doesn't care if you're not there. He'll carry you. He doesn't care if you can't get there. He'll, he'll be there with you. So I'm asking Father God just to touch my heart. And um, he's taken me to a place. Um, we were fellowshipping at, um, at the pastor's house two years ago. And um, So, church, I'm asking you to pray for me. So, uh, <laughs> I want you guys to pay attention to every single thing he's doing because some aspect of what he's doing is what you do. Yeah. Can, can I go? <laughs> um, I'm not asking for the riches or the fame of the glory that those things may bring. What I need, Father God, just give me a clean heart so that I can do thy will. Give me a clean heart and I'll follow thee. Let me stop you right there. He asked for a clean heart. And he said he would follow. And so even now, God's not only giving you a clean heart. He's restoring each one of your faith. So that you may be able to move forward and do the things that God is calling you to do. I want to stop and bring each one of your attention to something that Paul did. And God is literally saying today, he doesn't want you to do that anymore. A lot of times you're trying to be me and I'm standing up. I have my own gifts. I have my own call. Paul has his own gift and his own call. I would love to sing like Paul, but that's not me. 
I would love to entertain you guys, but that's not me. That's Paul. And so as Paul was singing and he was offering God what he gave him, get it? God took that and used it to bring you guys into what Paul was doing. And so the Lord is literally saying, what you have, that's all he wants you to offer. And he will create everything else when you offer what you have. The problem is you want to offer what you don't have. You offer what you have. When you go back to the woman who offered her last bread. Remember, she offered flour and oil. That was what she had. She offered what she had. And, and that's where you have to offer what you have. And in that place, when you offer what you have, God is able to reproduce in that area and then create even more. Hopefully you guys got that. But he can't reproduce and create more if you don't offer what you have. We tend not to offer, such as Nicodemus, because we're so focused on what we don't have. But God is saying, what you have is sufficient for my use. How many times that we see, they say, oh, well, we don't have bread. And, and he said, well, what do you have? He literally asked them, what do you have? Well, there's a little boy that's got some fish in here. That'll do. And so God is literally saying, what you have, he will multiply it. And it's going to be enough for anybody he sends you to. Yeah. And so if you take what you have right now for the measure of the faith you have, offer it back. And he's going to take that measure that you offer and he's going to multiply it. And you're going to see the abundance of it and then you will look at how much faith you have and it will continue to grow. So the more you offer it, the greater it will grow. So Lord, I offer you the portion of faith that I do have. And even if it's little, I'm going to offer that to you. But I know in return, it's going to be way more than what I offered. So this time as he sings, lift up your hands and take it. So he's saying he's not offering silver and gold, but just give him a clean heart. But you literally say, Lord, I'm offering you my faith. Yes, yeah, that is. 
And that's for those who want to see in the spirit too. Lord, I may see here or there, and I may not see enough, but Lord, I'm even right now just offering the little bit of vision that I do have, the little bit of understanding that I do have of you. Lord, I offer you, multiply what you have placed in me, that it may be fulfilled in accordance to what you call for. That scripture should have came alive to you guys just offering what you have because he multiplies what you have. He multiplies what you have. In this room, he's multiplying. Well, if you guys could see what I see, he has like a calculator, one of them old calculators from old times, and he's walking by to every single one of you that's offering something, and I can see him like calculating and rolling it up and basically making the numbers. And you know how you hear the machine, tick, 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 and I can see him literally adding value to every single thing to whereby you had even some of you had zero percent, but I could see him even multiplying that and causing it to increase to whereby many of you guys have abundance. We were talking last week about colors and what color we want our pamphlets to represent for TQFM, and I'm still waiting on that answer, but what the Lord is showing me as she was speaking was that 
we'll use red for an example. Um, our color for a long time was red. And what I see is that what Pastor Kathy has to offer is like the color red. And we've all tried to be emitting red the same way she emits red. But as Paul sings, he's admitting green. And every time I'm trying to admit red, I admit purple. And precious is yellow. Um, Cholie, you know, orange. Whatever it is, is that everybody has a, a color. And I'm just using examples. I'm not saying that's an actual color. But everybody has a color to admit in this room and in your space and as a church. And our church has not fully thrived in showing the true colors of Christ because we've been relying on red to be that color and we've been trying to be red and you are not red and that is okay because that's not what God has created you to be but as we each step into the small things in the areas and and the ways God's created us to shine that's where we see his true rainbow that's where we see the fullness of his light and, and that's when we're going to see people fully transformed and changed and seeing the glory of God. Church, I am so, um, I owe no apology, but I just apologize because that's just what's in front of me, but I, I am. I think the best, thing to, the best thing to help them see where you're at is what's going on because that's what we got to pray out of this place. There's a purpose for you walking in that place. What is it? So what's in your mind? What's in your heart? So we can begin to pray for all of us because we don't know who's dealing with the same thing. So God doesn't bring you up here just for by some unknown coincidence. He knows what you, what's going to operate on the inside of you. So he wants to use that to free others. So what's going on, Paul? What is your mind saying? Well, now that I have clarity, <laughs> I will say it. I will speak it versus singing it. Father God has a hold to me and for a long time, and there's so much that needs to come out of me, and I want to share it. I want to preach it. I want to apply it to your heart and let it resonate. Um, I'm blessed to be in this season of my life. He has blessed me to feel good uh, with no with no restrictions. And I have joy. And I really want to sing for my church. I want to sing for everyone. I want to sing for me. I want to sing for the Lord. But words want to come out, and my, my songs want to come out in, 
and just sharing and speaking with you that Father God took a hold of Paul Clark years ago when I couldn't see and when I couldn't hear and I couldn't identify who he was and I just said that's self talking to self or as we say subconscious talking to conscious mind but it's by his grace and his mercy that I, I rise, I breathe, I think, I process I have the ability to be all over the map in everybody's home doing something but I love the Lord with all my heart and I let him know this every day and if I had a song it'd just be Father God I love you endlessly and there's not enough words I could say no matter what octave, what key, or the volume I sing it in, that I would ever cease from giving him the glory, giving you the glory, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for this day, this moment, for this pastor to push <laughs> your flock, for pushing me to get beyond the barrier. Not the barrier of embarrassment, just the barrier of where I am in the flesh, but just to go to my faith. Because it's so easy. It just flows like water on a broken faucet with no control. And when I stay in faith, It takes me to songs and it's like, uh, how deeply I need you, Lord, you know. It says like the desert needs the rain and like the ocean needs the stream and like the morning needs the sun, I need thee. I wanna impart onto the church, my family, my sisters, my brothers. He has done this for me for a long time. And it's not by chance. It was his will. And I'm not going to share that story of where I started from. I can just tell you that I'm a witness for the Lord. And, and I just thank him with my whole heart. And I only ask one thing of the church. Just keep me in your prayers. Pray for me. That I might just continue to do his will. And do what's on his script. His script for my life and being obedient. And as it's been said, I'll fall down, but I'll keep getting up. Praise God. And I just thank you. Praise God. Amen.
Can you read that to the end, you guys? And so we see that Nicodemus is in this place and he's really trying to understand truly what is spiritual. And many of us be, uh, walk in places where we're truly trying to understand what is spiritual. And what's truly spiritual is when you come to a place that you realize all the stuff that goes on on the inside of you just quiets itself. And you can't think of anything to say. And then all of a sudden, nowhere, you hear something that says, do this, say this. And you know what you're hearing is not your own words. You're knowing now that you're being led by the Spirit. And sometimes it may even not be where you hear do this or say this. You just have this unction on the inside that you just know that you're supposed to do something and you don't know why you're doing it. Or you just know you're supposed to say something and you don't know what you're saying, but it's coming out of you. That's when you know you're flowing by the Spirit. Want to finish that? Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and yet you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Let me stop you there. So as the serpent was lifted up, God is literally saying that the Son of Man must be lifted up, and it must be lifted up in each one of you. So it's so important that we get to that place where you're lifting up Christ on the inside of you so that all may see and come in. Remember, he said he came to build a different type of kingdom. And that kingdom is for all that's hurting, afflicted, blind, lame, and a host of other things that are affecting them. And he's literally asking that the kingdom that resides in you that have come out of these places be lifted up so that others can come in. Hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to you. I'm sitting here because I'm like, do you really want me to say that? <laughs> what he shows me is a pile of dead bodies 
It's a pile of flesh that's on fire. And I see the people and one by one, they just take one step. And I see their flesh and their spirit separate and their flesh gets thrown into that pile of dead bodies and they start catching on fire. And I see this happening one after another and the people, the spirit, they're just staring at it. And it's like they're grieving, but they're letting go at the same time. And then I see their spirit and they turn away. And then I see like Tinkerbell <laughs> um, with the little pixie tree and everyone's going up to this tree and they're getting their little bag of pixie dust. And when he's showing me in that, it's like you're turning back to him and he has this little bag of gifts. And each person is taking their portion of their gifts. And the thing with pixie dust and Tinkerbell is everyone, each person operates in a different way. And a lot of the movies, she tries to operate in other ways because she sees how great they're performing in theirs. She sees the water fairies, and she's like, well, I want to be a water fairy because they get to go to this other land. But she's just a tinker fairy. And in that, when you're looking at the pixie dust, it's just pixie dust. It's not a certain thing one person gets versus the other. It's the same thing meant to enhance your own gift. And that when you're seeing it outpour, it's multiplying on itself. And so I see a whole load of people who had just died to their flesh, and their flesh is literally on fire. And when you describe the fire, the fire is the Holy Spirit setting them ablaze. And with these people, they're getting their fill. And they have this whole pouch of different gifts, and I see them now exercising those. And I see some people doing jump rope, they're going off in their different areas, and they're either running around, or they're just exercising and doing what they have to do. And I see, on the other hand, something completely different. Holy Spirit said, I want to show you what's on the Father's heart. And I want you to relay that to the people, what I show you. And so in the vision that I just seen, I seen people being put in cages. And they're locked up. And they're put in cages into where these cages are so full that they cannot move. And I can see the hands of the people crying and their voices are screaming at the top of their lungs. And the cries are so deep that my soul aches when I hear it. The Father says, this is what's on my heart. And I see the enemy causing people in bondage. And so the cages is where they are in. And I see those who have been given this 
freedom to set them free, being pushed out of an airplane. That's you guys. And you have on this military garment and you have garments and everything that you need to save them. And the Lord literally says, I deploy them. And so I see you guys jumping out of these places and you're going into these places and you're rescuing these people. Hear what's on the Father's heart. But if you could hear the screams, the cries, and what I say, when he's pushing them in the cages, I see that they're just coming and pushing them in cages. He doesn't care that the cage is so small. He's just pushing them in it. And, and I can see like hands coming through the cages. I can see faces like smashed up against the cage to whereby it is smashed so bad that you can see the blood coming out from these individuals because in that is severe bondage. But I can feel in my inner man the cries of our Lord. And his desire to free them from their affliction. And I could hear it and I was like, he said, come and see what's on my heart. And as he began to show me what's on his heart, I did this. I, like, I had to back up because I knew it would tear me apart. If I continue to look at what I see, because he's not only letting me to see it, but he's allowing me to feel what he's feeling. But he deploys you. And he said, rescue them. And so in closing, Nicodemus did everything in secret. He even had a personal meeting with God, away from everybody. And he got the best opportunity ever to be able to sit down and have a conversation. But it doesn't show that he did anything with it. Did you see it? There's nothing that shows he did anything with that personal meeting. He sat on it. He stayed in secret. And the only time we hear his voice again is where he goes and helps to position the body of Jesus. Can we all stand?
word ended what as Moses lifted up the serpent. So shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Eyes closed and your hands open and lifted up and raised to your Lord. And for whatever you need for this journey, it's your time to ask the Lord and he'll give it to you. Whatever you need. You know, many times as we begin to age, we begin to say, Lord can't use me. But we forget that there's people our age that we need to be saved. <laughs> Do you hear me? And we find ourselves in that position saying, well, Lord, well, who I go to? I ain't no young people I can go to. But then the Lord says, wait a minute, there's people that's your age still there. And so God sends you to those like you. Get it? Like you. And so each one of you have a purpose and each one of you have a plan that he has put together for you. And even in that, you're literally saying, Lord, as I lift up my hands, Holy Spirit, have your way. Let your spirit carry me into the places that you have called me to go into to set the captive free. Lord, give me the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding to walk in purpose and to go forth. I already know even now that you have already taken care of my faith. And Lord, I thank you for the wisdom that you have given me. And Lord, I go back to even as you gave me the example of my daughter and a lot of times how I choose not to operate in who I am. Lord, let me ever so stand in who I am and not relinquish what I have because I have someone that's more capable of doing the job than me. And Lord, I thank you for the children you have given me than in examples they have been in my life and how they continue to thrust me forward to do what is destined for me to do while I'm still upon this earth. But ever so, Lord, for the flock and the sheep that stands here today and they're crying out to you to be the light for you that shines forth in the darkness, that brings those into the place that they're supposed to be in. I pray this even now, Lord, that your perfect will be done in them. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. And if someone's standing next to you or get close enough to you, or better yet, the Holy Spirit says, tell the person near you, nearest to you, to today, I have gained the faith that is necessary to walk the walk that I have been required to walk for my Lord. So you're telling the person next to you, closest to you, that I've gained the faith 
that is necessary for me to walk the walk that I am required to walk. And the examples here is truly an example of how I'm going to overcome. And so, Lord, I thank you even now that your son literally stood up and showed me what sometimes I am conflicted in my spirit with. And even as I seen the conviction in someone else, Lord, I surrender that to you even now that I may go forth and do your will. In Jesus' name. And it's so. And I ask that each one of you be blessed. Amen. If God is building top quality faith in your life through this ministry, we pray that you will partner with us by giving. You can visit our website, tqfm.org. Also, remember to subscribe for more messages like this.